This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're looking back on not one, but two track and field state championships. Women's basketball picked up a big conference win, and the squash teams did quite well at the NESCAC championships. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The basketball teams got the week off to a great start with wins over Maine Farmington on Tuesday. The men's basketball team defeated the Beavers 91-72 behind a career-high 21 points from first-year Jeff Spellman. Here comes Spellman across the timeline. Spellman, nice dribble drive to the hoop, got a screen from Marcus Delpesh, score it, and the foul! The women's team won 71-42, and Ali Coppola made history. Here's Foot in the left wing. Now Henshaw, baseline for Nason. Shot up, short, rebound. Coppola gets in. She's the all-time career record holder for rebounds at Bates College. Coppola's 886 career rebounds surpassed Olivia Zurich in the all-time record books at Bates. The women's basketball team dropped a game to number two nationally ranked Amherst on Friday before bouncing back to beat Trinity 82-73 on Saturday behind a season high. 32 points from Nina Davenport. Connors off the screen from Coppola. Now Davenport, left wing, got to look for three, knock it down again! Uh-oh, uh-oh, it's going to be a long day for the Bantams if they're giving Nina Davenport looks like that because she's deadly from outside. Davenport earned Maine State Player of the Week honors and is now averaging a NESCAC leading 14.5 points per game. Saturday's win was extra special because it came on senior day for the Bobcats. We caught up with senior co-captain Bernadette Connors after the win. Well, first of all, senior day here at Alumni Gymnasium. What was it like to play in front of you all know, your friends and family here on a day where you and Allie and Alexa are all being honored? Just so exciting and, I mean, so special, obviously. Like, you just kind of reflect on everything that you've been able to do over the last four years. And it was just awesome to be here with everyone and to have so many fans it was extra special to have such a good game that you had. I think you had, what, 14 points in this one and knocked down some threes? Uh, it was special that everyone played really well and, like, we got away with the win, you know, and now we'll make playoffs, so we're really excited. What does it say about the team, you know, obviously yesterday a tough one against uh, Amherst and National Power. What does it say about the team able to bounce back and get a nice victory today? I mean, what will the add to the locker room after yesterday's game going into today's game? I mean, we knew Amherst was, like, a great team, so all we could do was take away, like, their intensity and, like, the little things that we did do well and just carry that intensity into today's game. And I think we did because we started off really strong. Head coach Allison Montgomery also joined the Bobcast following the victory. You know, we've talked a couple times this season, at the end of last season, just about our approach to threes. Um, you know, Nina is just so streaky, and when she's hot, she's hot. And um, she had a heat check there in the second half. But, um, yeah, she just, you know, shot the ball really well. Like, Bernie hit two, Carly hit a couple. Um, so, yeah, I think just, you know, lots of good energy today. And I think they were just playing and not kind of overthinking and just catching in rhythm and shooting. Um, so definitely not the plan, but just, yeah, a really good shooting night. Definitely seemed like they were, you know, in great spirits on senior day yeah. and everything, able uh -huh. to bounce back from yesterday, right? What does yeah. that say about the team? Yeah, I mean, I think I was definitely expecting them to be focused in that way, knowing, like, this was going to be um, 
a tough game, but I think, you know, coming out to that start was awesome because obviously from then on the game was pretty even um, and they obviously made a run at us in the fourth quarter. So just getting that start I think was so good for our confidence and our energy and just kind of allowed us to play a complete game, I think. And then Burnett Connors played really well, seven assists, 14 yeah. points. Yeah. Uh, well, that's really when the team's at her best when she's doing well, it seems like, right? Yeah, exactly. And for her, I think it's just like such a mindset thing. Um, and she just she brought it today, which is great. And I think, you know, obviously last night was a really rough game for us. We played a really, really tough opponent. Um, but I think she started with that last night. Just, you know, we've been coaching her a lot to really um, attack the basket hard. When she does that, she comes off ball screens hard. She's really hard to guard and creates other opportunities for her teammates, as in her seven assists. So, yeah, she was just really, really focused today, I think, for for last senior day. Right, yeah. yeah. Senior day here, I mean, it's pretty cool to have all the family and friends, right? Yeah, it's nice. Just a nice environment. Um, yeah, so really exciting. I think they were they were really looking forward to it. And, you know, everyone loves playing at home, but I think playing an alumni gym is an extra special thing. So Yeah, two more games this year, a home game against Maine Augusta, and yes. then, of course, <laughs> a big one on the road against Williams. Last year it was yeah. a win over Williams that put you in the NESCAC tournament. Right. It could be a situation again this year. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I think so. Yeah, I think just um, wanting to finish strong. Obviously, this win was also really important to position us to make the tournament. But, yeah, I think um, bringing that same energy and that same focus on the road will be really important on Sunday, yeah. And we'll know going into that game, you know, because everyone else will be done. Um, and so we'll know kind of yeah. what hangs on that game. So hopefully we can be really tough and focused, yeah. All right, Coach, thanks so much. All right, thanks, Aaron. The men's basketball team dropped a pair of games to Amherst and Trinity on the road over the weekend. But they get a chance to bounce back this Sunday against Williams in their final regular season game before the NASCAC championships. Speaking of championships, the men's and women's track and field teams both won the main state championship over the weekend. The women traveled to Gorham on Friday and won the meet with ease, outscoring runner-up Southern Maine by 60 points. It marks the fourth consecutive state title for the women. They won seven events and broke three meet records. Female Bobcat of the Week, Jessica Wilson, moved up to fourth in the nation and second on Bates' all-time performance list in the mile run. With a main state meet record time of 4 minutes, 59.33 seconds. It was great. Um, I mean, the past four years have been incredible for indoor, and it's been so exciting to sort of, um, you know, achieve that state title with all of your teammates. Um, and this year in particular was special, not just because, um, you know, it is my senior year, but because it would be the fourth consecutive title, which was pretty cool. Um, and so, you know, to look back on, you know, my own experience and, you know, my teammates' experiences and look back and see that, you know, in this four-year period, we won every single year. It's, it was definitely pretty exciting and a pretty cool experience to share with all of your teammates. And in particular, like, this is kind of the last meet before it starts to get whittled down, right? So it's kind of cool to have the whole team there, right? Exactly. Yeah, that was kind of the best part is that, um, you know, our team is very strong um, in the sense that we have a lot of depth. So in each of our events, you know, we don't just have one person who excels at it. We have multiple people who excel at it. Um, and so we had multiple um, women who were competing in two or three events um, which was really exciting to see. And it was also very exciting because um, for many of our teammates, this was actually the last meet of the season. Um, and so, for example, um, one of my fellow seniors, Hannah Wilson, it was her last meet, and she ran her race, and she actually won her heat. 
um, and just seeing, you know, how happy she was, that was, that was a really rewarding experience. Um, and just to see everybody sort of come together in that last meet, um, was a really cool thing. Great. And then for you personally, you broke five minutes in the mile. I mean, I imagine that's been a goal for a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have, I've never actually run, um, a sub five in an open mile before. And so that was very exciting. Um, and, you know, a lot of the members of the team, because it's, you know, getting to be the dead of winter, are starting to get a little sick. And so, you know, I wasn't quite sure if I could do it. Um, but as soon as the gun went off, I sort of felt it. Um, and I ran the mile with my teammate, Sarah Rothman. Um, and, you know, we sort of went at it with a positive attitude. And um, I think that together we really sort of took down the mile and, um, yeah, it felt pretty good. What did it mean to you to break the um, meet record for the mile also? Did you know right afterwards that you'd done that? Yeah, I definitely didn't. Um, That was pretty cool. That was exciting. And it's interesting, too, because the year before, the the woman who broke it, uh, Sarah Kelly of Bowdoin, I was actually running against her in that that race. Um, And so I had no idea that I actually broke it. Um, But it was definitely very exciting um, and definitely felt good to have that. Moving forward, what are some of the major goals for you personally and then for the team in general? Sure, yeah. So this coming weekend we have um, the Valentine's Day meet at BU, um, and then we'll have our New England meets, and then we will have um, the Tufts Last Chance meet, and then, um, you know, fingers crossed, there is the Nationals meet. Um, And so, you know, we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, You know, some of our our, – our teammates such as, you know, Allie Hill and Sally Cisse um, are very likely to go on to the Nationals meet. Um, and so for them, I think that's sort of where they're looking towards. Um, the DMR for the women is always sort of a goal to go to Nationals. Um, historically, we've sort of and traditionally we've sort of um, been able to sort of send a team there um, for the past number of years. So that's definitely a goal um, of ours. And then um, there's, you know, many other athletes such as um, uh, Shristi Sunil, um, and there are a few other athletes as well who definitely have a shot at making nationals. And so I'd say that's very exciting as well. Um, and then for those who's, um, there's also going to be the Tufts Last Chance meet, and there will also be the New England meet and um, the Open New England meet. And so um, I think everyone, regardless of sort of where they're aiming for, is excited for those upcoming meets because those are very exciting. We don't have a NESCAC meet. We have, you know, New England Division Threes, which is essentially NESCACs plus MIT. And so right. so it's um, that'll definitely be an exciting meet. Um, and we always try and sort of, you know, come together as a team and do our best in that meet. Um, so I would say looking forward, definitely excited for New England Division Threes and looking forward for whatever comes after. Well, you touched on individuals with chances to go to Nationals. Uh, don't sell yourself short. You're fourth in the country in the mile. What's that like to be so high up right now in the country in that category? That's really exciting. Um, and it definitely is still early, and so you, you never really know what's going to happen. But um, And the thing about the mile is that, um, you know, no matter what, I think um, what I would do is I would – if if we did have the opportunity to go for the DMR, I would um, probably run in that mile, the last leg, um, that mile leg. Um, and so, you know, personally, it definitely um, is a bit of a confidence boost um, and definitely feels good. But again, you never know what's going to happen. And, and um, you know, it's definitely exciting to see 
um, some other of my teammates on that list, like looking at Sally, looking at Tristy, especially Allie Hill, who I think is still number one in the nation, which is insane. Um, and last year at nationals, um, she was just shy of that eighth spot. And so looking forward this year and seeing, you know, the possibility of her becoming a national champion is incredible. So, you know, no matter what happens, I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah, lots of interesting things coming up for the women's track and field team. Congrats again on the fourth consecutive Main State Indoor Championship. Great. Thank you, Aaron. The men's track and field team traveled to Brunswick on Saturday and brought home a Main State title of their own. After finishing a disappointing third last year, the Bobcats defeated runner-up Bowden by nine points to bring the state title back to the Bates campus. It's the fourth time in the last five years the men have won the state championship. Senior captain Patrick Griffin won the 800-meter run and ran the anchor leg of the Bobcats' victorious 4 by 800 relay. He earned the Most Valuable Track Athlete Award for the meet, and he is our male Bobcat of the week. Pat, let's start with before the main state championships. A couple of days before at practice, you got up there, uh, some of the other captains gave speeches as well, but you got up there and you gave a particularly intense speech. And, and I'll let you describe to the people kind of where you where that concept came from about, you know, you're out there for the individual, but it's going to help the team also. Before I kind of explaining it, I guess it was a little bit exaggerated when I did it, <laughs> would be the best way to explain it. But the premise behind what I was saying was that a lot of time in track, it is an individual event. I mean, minus things like relays, and sometimes people often use something, or I described it during the speech as team rhetoric, where they tell you to do things for the team. But a lot of the time, people, or at least for myself, I'm a lot, I am, while I am motivated by things that help the team do well, predominantly motivated by, you know, wanting to strive to, for individual success. And I find that when you focus a lot on trying to trying to do well for the team as opposed to doing well for yourself. Sometimes it makes you lose focus on what you should be doing that's best for the team. So I advised everyone in, in the best way that I could that doing things for yourself isn't always a bad thing and being selfish isn't always a bad thing in a race because oftentimes that your personal success will lead to the team's success in that kind of situation. I love the enthusiasm in your speech. Are you known for those type of speeches, um, or do you surprise your teammates with that? Uh, I'd say during the state, the only times I really do these kinds of speeches is during the state meet. It's I'm usually pretty known as a mild-mannered guy on the team, so I think a lot of people were surprised, but I did this last year for the outdoor state meet, so I'd say if you knew it was coming, you weren't. You wouldn't have been surprised, but a lot of people who don't know me particularly well were very surprised, so... Yeah. Obviously, it got people pretty hyped up, right? Um, I would like to think so, yes. <laughs> and then talk about let's, let's talk about reclaiming the state title. I mean, obviously, last year, a third-place finish, very disappointing. This year, bouncing back to win it all. When did you learn that you had clinched the title overall of the team? I would say that we were pretty com- – I mean, it was just really close through and through, and Coach never really likes to let people know exactly where we stand just because he doesn't want people to know, you know, like if we're doing pretty well because I mean it was a nine point meet at the end of it which is means that at the very end it was really close you know assuming relays didn't get DQ'd which everyone it's really unlikely that that would happen but you know that's always kind of a scary thing to think about especially but I think the time I knew that we had pretty much had it all had it done or had it in the bag was before we started the four by eight which is when I ended up running because we were I think at that point we were up by seven points which means that and I think there were only four or five people in the heat, so we would have had to, based off of the performances that I'd seen from the other 4 by teams, I knew that as long as we ran what we were able to run, we would be fine. 
So I think that was when people kind of knew. And I think that's one of the reasons we saw a lot of energy during the 4x8, during the blackout relay. Yeah, and for fans who don't know, tell us about the blackout relay and the tradition of that. Well, I guess the tradition of the blackout relay is that in one year there was a really big snowstorm, and then during the 4x8, while they were running it, the lights went out. And as opposed to stopping the actual relay, people kept running, and so that where, so the runners could tell where to go. A lot of the spectators kind of moved in into the outside lanes, so the and were yelling very loudly, so the runners would kind of know where to go. And I guess that's the premise behind, or at least what I know. <laughs> yeah, they turn on the lights on purpose now. Yeah. And uh, what's it like? Is it pretty cool to run in that in that in those circumstances? Yeah, it's really cool because the meet's pretty packed as it is, and when. Yeah. It's the last event, so almost every, no one, everyone's usually done with their cool downs or running. So everyone, almost everyone's watching and everyone's cheering and getting really excited for it, which is always really cool because, as from someone who's running around the track while this is going on, almost every you know like every inch of the out of the perimeter of the track is just lined with people, which is always which is something you don't really see that often. And you ran the last leg, right? Yeah, I ran the anchor leg. So when you pat when you cross the finish line, you, you won the relay. You knew at that moment you you remained state champion. Yeah. It was going through your head. I, just a lot. I just it was, it was pretty confusing. I guess would be the best way to put it because you know you're you're c- coming off your runner's high a little bit, a little a little exhausted, fatigued, and then there are a bunch of people around you just kind of shaking you around, yelling in your face. So it's just you know a lot of emotions definitely. It's also cool. I was talking with you know Jess Wilson on the female side about how this is the last meet for a number of the of your teammates, right? So it, it's cool to kind of see them be able to go out on a high note too, right? Yeah. I mean, the state of Maine meet, because it is, if you don't qualify for Division threes or any of the meets going forward, this is your last meet. And it's definitely, for the seniors who was their last meet, this is definitely a way to, you know, end your season on a good note for indoor, because indoor has always been one of the more competitive, or the more, I would argue, more competitive of the state meets, just because outdoor it's just a different scenario, different events and whatnot. So it's a little more intense indoor, I would say. What are some things you'd like to see from the team going forward here into New England, in the, in the Nationals, hopefully? Going into Division Three is what I'd like to see. I mean, just this past weekend was, was great. We had a lot of very strong individual performances. Like we, I think this is the first, or we had, this is the first year always in our coach's memory that we've had 18, we've had people qualified in all 18 events that they have for, which is, which is great. That's a great way to be lined up for division threes. And I think one thing that stood out to me that my coach told me about was we have eight people qualified in the 5k, which typically for people who don't really know what that means, typically for division or for division three, New England's, you only, I'd say Bates usually averages around like three or four people per event qualifying and having eight people qualify in an event is just not not all of them won't run that they'll probably run other events but it's just a lot of people in that uh but i guess i would really it'll be pretty hard to carry that energy over into division threes but i would really love to see just people keeping the at least a little bit of that intensity that we had this past weekend and kind of just striving to do what i know a lot of there are a lot of guys who are young kind of just raw and I'm really hoping they, you know, come come to this meet, don't you know, succumb to the pressure of you know running with some of the best runners in New England for Division Three, and you know, step up and get some perform- better performances in. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams combined to finish eighth out of sixteen teams at the UVM Carnival over the weekend. Standout performers included senior Sadie James for women's Nordic skiing. She finished ninth out of ninety collegiate skiers in the 10K Classical Technique race on Saturday, and sophomore Michael Cooper for men's Alpine skiing. He finished a career-best ninth in the slalom on Saturday out of 83 collegiate skiers. Cooper joined the Bobcast to talk bait skiing.
When you crossed the finish line there and your second run in the slalom, uh, what was kind of going through your mind? Do you, you knew your time was pretty good just in your head kind of? Can you feel it? Well, it's actually, so they set for second run. It was a much more technical course. There's really swingy sections. Um, like in one of the flat parts, you feel like you're going so slow. So you can never really tell completely. Um, I knew I skied pretty decent on the top part of the course, but um, didn't really have an idea of how it was. I mean, I was just so tired, and it's always just like, kind of crazy just with you just never know like what's how it's going to be but got through the finish line and um some of the other members of the base ski team were down at the finish and were like had the timing there and so they they knew it skied pretty well second run as well and moved into the top 10 which was pretty awesome <laughs> great great and then obviously i mean in alpine skiing it's the women's team and the men's team you're basically one team essentially just separate races and so it was pretty cool to see uh, hannah johnson do so well also right yeah, um, definitely. Hannah and I actually went to high school together, and so it's pretty cool to like see her and like her like successes over the years. Um, so she's definitely, I think that was one of her better results this year. It was twelfth place. Um, so it's really awesome to like to see how the women's team is um, coming in pretty strong this year. I mean, think I think overall the team has had a lot more success um, between this past weekend, especially, and then some of the other skiers like Kelsey Chenoweth has been placing top five in the GSs so I think overall like the team has been pretty strong this year and I think that's super exciting at least like um, at least for me just like super stoked to see everyone and how they're like improving yeah because you see everyone you can see like certain weekends some people have the potential to finish you know top 15 even top 10 and if it could just all come together for everyone one weekend you, the potential's there right to really finish high up yeah I mean we had girls like skiing in top 10 runs first run and then obviously unfortunately going out second run I mean that's kind of the brutal thing about ski racing in general is that it I mean you could be doing everything right that entire day and like skiing your best skiing and then it's just up to like some little rut or your skis or something hooked up on the ice and it just like you end up crashing or you end up missing a gate or something but um yeah I think if we all if we all skied our potential like we could have a very strong finish so what are you working on this week leading up to your next carnival? Um, so the Dartmouth carnival is pretty flat. So what we're working on is like a lot of um, flat skiing, essentially trying to like make like build energy throughout the ski and like especially in the slalom because the slalom hill is even flatter than the GS hill. But um, yeah, I think just like charging really hard is like a really key thing to do in, in the for at least the Dartmouth hill. Is it nice your second go around here? Because obviously last year is the first year, kind of getting used to the carnival circuit, and now this is old hat for you now, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> basically, I, I mean, a lot of the carnivals last year I was just star, like starstruck almost by like how fast a lot of these guys are and a lot of these girls are, and so you're kind of just like going with the flow like the first year, like obviously like, trying as hard as you can, but it's like such a new like you're on a new hill every race, and so. Um, this year, like knowing what the hills like, definitely can prepare myself like a little bit more, and I know that the team's going to be a little bit more prepared for the hill itself, and so um, I'm thinking it's, it could be a strong weekend for us. All right, Michael Cooper, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. Now it's time to talk about the NESCAC championships. The men's and women's squash teams competed at the NESCAC championships at Amherst over the weekend, and the men finished runner-up to national powerhouse Trinity. Senior Ahmed Hatata got a big win over fellow All-American Rick Penders at the number one position in Sunday's championship match. On the women's side, Bates fell to Trinity in the semifinals before taking third place with a dramatic 5-4 win over Middlebury on Sunday. Four of the five matches Bates won against the Panthers went the full five games, including the clinching match 
won by NASCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week, sophomore Vicky Arjun. I've definitely encountered a lot of matches where I've been put under a lot of pressure <laughs> with the deciding match, um, so I guess I do have some experience there. But specifically with Bates, um, and in my history here, we did lose to Middlebury earlier in the season 5-4, so that was definitely a great rebound for the team and motivation to you know play our absolute best, and it was just a, it was a great feeling to pull out with that win. When did you realize that you were the last one playing? So at the beginning of my fourth game, I believe, when I was 2-1 up and I just lost the third, um, a group of my teammates came up to me and actually uh, Darius had mentioned to me that, oh, by the way, uh, the match is for all and you're the decider, so no pressure. But that, well, obviously that struck a couple of nerves, but at the same time, when I was on court and in the midst of the chaos that was the crowd, um, it did click for me and it helped sort of build my aggression on court and really push me to play my absolute best in the next two games. So, yeah. Yeah, in game four, you drop a close one, 13-11. What's going through your mind? Uh, what are you talking with your teammates about between the short time you have between game four and five? It's basically building as much of a tactical game as I can. Um, my game is definitely a deep, deep, deep game and try to sort of outrun the other girl um, and then just look for my best openings. So trying to force her to break into my rhythm was the main goal of those next two games and obviously having my teammates uh, coach me uh, between games was super helpful. I had four um, of my teammates and Pat included um, and it was definitely one of the most exhilarating moments of my bait squash career but uh, it was just forcing her to play into my game and once it hit the fifth I just knew what I had to do then. Great. I know you. I think you played this opponent before when you played Middlebury yeah. previously, and uh, you were able to get the victory this time. What, what changed for you? So when we had previously played Mid Middlebury, uh, I'd lost three love to the opponent. Um, I was a little injured at the time and uh, knew that that definitely wasn't my best squash, but in that moment, you definitely don't want to relive that 5-4 loss again. So I once that fifth game hit, I knew that none, no one on our team wanted to feel that way. And if I can pull this out, that would def definitely turn the table and make us feel absolutely phenomenal towards the end. So the men had not started yet against their against Trandy at this point, right? So everyone was watching. No, yeah. Yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone was watching the fifth <laughs> game. So, so what was that atmosphere like to have it all eyes on you at the, for that fifth game? It was crazy. Um, at some points, I'd look back into the crowd for some inspiration and then notice that the balcony and the bottom of the courts, which is just the glass wall, was packed with Bates and Middlebury parents, players, coaches, everyone. Um, I think only a few of the guys would have wanted to start their matches, but they actually tried to maybe delay some of it because they were all lined up at the bottom uh, cheering and yelling for me, and that was honestly one of the most motivating and most inspirational moments just to see my team being able to support me in that time and it was just a huge boost for me in that fifth game and when you won the game fifth game um what was what happened to people rush the court did you come off the court? how, how to go there well <laughs> because there were two layers to the building obviously everyone who was upstairs uh, sort of ran down um but as soon as i came off the court the first thing i did was just hug every single one of my teammates who was there to support me uh, everyone on the women's team, the two captains, Emma and Charlotte, they had just won their matches in another crucial five-setter. But in that moment, being the deciding match, I think that's where everyone's 
nerves were a bit lifted and it honestly was a moment of celebration for parents, coaches and players and all of my teammates kind of dogpiled me at that moment but it was again it was just a amazing feeling afterwards. And everyone, especially Emma and Charlotte, must have been thrilled to beat Middlebury because that's like a rival for you guys. It's been a few years since you beat Middlebury, so that must have been pretty cool too, right? Yeah, in our team huddle, I could see it in their eyes that they were just dying to beat them before they were leaving their base squash career. So, I mean, I was obviously more than happy to fulfill that goal for them. But again, it's a team effort, and I can't thank everyone enough for how hard they played that day and you know, definitely see it in the results. From a, from a mentality standpoint, obviously, you know, in your situation, you were up 2-0, and then you have to hold off someone rallying, whereas I know other cases, you can fall down 2-0 and then be the one rallying. So how does that change from a mentality standpoint, whether you're, which you prefer almost, if you had to choose either defending a, a, a lead where, like, the other person's building momentum, or you're the one gaining when you're behind? I've definitely been on both opposite sides <laughs> of the spectrum um, throughout my squash career, but... Uh, I personally, my mentality going into the game is to stay as calm as possible and obviously blasting loud music and trying to get myself motivated pre-match, um, that's crucial to my game and to try and get me into that aggressive atmosphere but at the same time to keep my calm and just be collected between each point and make sure I restart and rebuild a point and know exactly what I'm about to do next is very vital in my game. and. At some moments, obviously, you kind of want to burst out with a little scream or a little something to sort of keep you going. But, again, it's that calmness that I'd like to pride myself with and to sort of, you know, just do the best I can um, in that moment. So Great. I guess last question for you. Obviously, we got Team Nationals coming up. I know last year you all were in the C fight. It was kind of disappointing. You won the C fight, but you wanted to be in that B fight. This year, sure as heck looks like you're going to be in the B fight. How excited are you for that? (laughs) I'm super excited. Um, Considering that last year we were in a tough situation, but we made it the best that we could. Um, We went in this season knowing that, you know, battling tough teams like Williams and Middlebury and Amherst were going to be completely crucial to us being in the B flight. And, Again, that's what motivated our seniors and the players who were there last year experiencing that C-Flight victory um, wanted to relive uh, in this season. So knowing that we have solidified our position is a great feeling. You know, We told the girls to just reimagine reliving that moment where we beat FNM and then the loss to Middlebury and everything that can sort of expire, inspire you to play better throughout nationals and I think it's going to be a great feeling because we're going to be playing much harder teams but again it's going to be a much higher level of competition so All yeah. Right. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Vicky Arjun, thanks so much for joining us here on the Bobcats. Alright, thank you so much. Head coach Pat Coster gives his perspective on the Bobcats performance at the NASCAC Championships. Yeah, the guys played great. They were uh, they were fired up, ready to go. Um, you know, in a good mental space, and physically, they've been playing really great squash these past uh, few weeks since the Middlebury loss at Middlebury. Um, I think they gained a lot of momentum with the F and M victory, and um, you know, it was a little bit of a different setup this time. We we were expected to beat Williams, and so that was as a coach, it was a little bit tough and you know, nerve wracking, stressful going in, knowing that we were the the strong two seed and expecting to win and uh, trying to gear up the guys that way. Um, but they came through. We had some really close matches. It was uh, a lot closer than a 7-2 win. Um, 
I'm really proud of the way they played. They fought hard. They were they were tougher in the end and stronger in the end and when they needed to be. So it was great. So many matches going on at once. You mentioned it was close when the 7-2 score indicates. So what are you focused on there? Who, which players are you trying to focus on? Are you trying to balance it between everyone going on at once? Or do you try to uh, try to consult with the players you might maybe need it the most? Yeah, well, I've, I've been doing this for some time now, and I realize <laughs> that there's not a whole lot I can do while they're playing. Yeah. Um, so what I try and focus in on, focus on is, is just making sure that they're okay. Uh, win or lose, I know that sounds really corny and cliche, but... Um, win or lose, you know, I want to make sure that they're okay. Um, but, but the, yeah, there's 90 seconds in between each game and um, a lot of p- positive reinforcement. The, the guys do a great job of coaching each other positively. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of strategy and a little bit of uh, mental refocusing that happens. But, but a, just a lot of reinforcement, positive reinforcement that, that they can get the job done. Um, we've put them in stressful positions in practice and in challenge matches and other matches throughout the season. And at this point in the year, they know exactly how to win, and um, they're built to win. You know, they they come in even the first years. You know, guys like Graham Bunnell and and Mahmoud Yusri who are in close matches and, and tight spots. They, you know, they arrive here at Bates uh, ready to win. It just takes a little bit of time, and um, once they start playing for each other and and for Bates and for the boys, that you know they'll get it done. Then in the finals, obviously, you run into Trinity, as you would every year, basically, in the NESCAC championships. Ahmed got a nice win over an All-American there in Rick Penders. Um, that's obviously huge for him, right? Yeah, he was really focused. He's been training really hard for, you know, five, six weeks uh, since the New Year um, on that particular match. Uh, he was disappointed earlier in the year in November when we went down there and lost, uh, <clears throat> when he lost to Michael Craig from Trinity. So he... He was really focused on getting that that win um, in order to bolster his individual ranking, but also to to boost the guys. You know, it's it's sometimes hard to to fight against Trinity since they do things so differently, and they're such a strong team. But um, but he knows, you know, that that his win and and playing really tough and getting a victory will uh, will affect the guys positively. And um, you know, ultimately, selfishly for him, he he probably will has shored up his spot as an, as a four-time All-American, which is really remarkable given our history and, um, you know, in his, his four years here. Um, but no, he, I'm super happy for him. He works harder than anyone. He's, he's here in the building. Uh, he's over at Underhill and Merrill. Uh, you know, we probably see the, the guys and I probably see about 30% of the work that he puts in. Um, you know, so he deserves everything that, that happens on the court. He, he just works harder than everyone. And then on the women's side, obviously, they, they won their first match, and obviously they ran to Trinity in the semifinals, so they get a third-place uh, match with Middlebury, a team they had a heartbreaking 5-4 loss to earlier this year. This time, a thrilling 5-4 win. Where does that rank? You've been coaching squash for a while. Where does that rank in matches that you've seen? Yeah, that that was up there. Um, I think one of the, the aspects that really stuck out was that um, – was that our senior captains uh, Emma and Charlotte were both down two one and came back and won a thirteen eleven in the fifth game, which uh, you know you don't teach that first of all, and it just doesn't happen very often where you're down that way. Um, at one point, I was in between games with Emma. She knew exactly where we were as a team. She knew exactly that we that she needed to win. And uh, that if she had lost, that we would lose. And, uh, you know, we looked each other in, in the eye and, and, you know, 25, 30 minutes later it was done and she had won. Um, same thing with Charlotte. You know, the two of them, they're, they're captains for a reason. They're champions for a reason. And, um, you know, we're lucky to have them. But 
those other matches, Eliza's match up 2-0, all of a sudden it's five games. Uh, Vicky up 2-0, all of a sudden it's five games. I mean, it just, uh, you know, looking at the parents and the other kids and the Middlebury women and, and the coaches, it, it was, uh, you know, I've been around for some time, so I can kind of compartmentalize it and, you know, take my own deep breaths in the corner there and, and be okay. But um, but there were there were certainly some tears afterwards um, and, uh, you know, some tears of jubilation for sure on our on our end. So I'm, I'm really happy for the women. They they deserve that victory. They've been working really hard on and off the court and committed themselves. And um, it's just really special to be a part of that. Something that I found kind of amusing was Vicky was obviously the deciding match. It was tied at two, but she didn't know it was tied at two initially until Darius just walks up to her and is like, Hey, uh, by the way, you're the deciding match now. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Vicky's usually a little, bit, a little bit quicker than that. But, that, yeah, it was emotional for sure. You know, I, I, I didn't realize that. But um, we, we knew Vicky was going to win. I, I don't know if she knew she was going to win, but we knew she was going to win. She was a better player that day. And um, she's healthy now, which is amazing for us. So she's a really strong number three and um, really helps the team when she's healthy. And, and she's a great leader as well. And so um, – I don't know too many Bobcats uh, parents and, and, you know, the men's team were, were cheering her on and coaches that, that thought that she was going to lose. I think we all knew that she was going to win. So when it happened, it was, you know, it was obviously thrilling and wonderful and it was great to see the women so happy and celebratory. But um, I think we, we had it all along. Now we go from recapping NESCACs to previewing NESCACs. The women's swimming and diving team heads to Brunswick this weekend for their biggest meet of the year. The NESCAC championships always feature fierce competition from the likes of Williams, Amherst, Middlebury, and Connecticut College. We look ahead to the weekend with Bates head coach, Peter Casares. The end of the season really comes down to two things in this program, and that is, um, one, we try to rest our athletes and get them to um, avoid the mentality of train, train, train. If you are training all the time, you're tired, you're fatigued, and no swimmer has ever been their best when they're tired. So how do you switch from a sport that is all about getting in great shape and getting in, um, to a higher level of training and switch them away mentally into that world of, okay, if I rest and do less, I'm going to be faster. So we, we try to write our practices with high intensity but lots of easy swimming in between in order for them to have way more easy swimming and shorter bursts of speeds that emulate more of the races that they'll see at the end of the season. Because the three-day conference meet is about swimming really fast and then waiting around 20, 30, 40 minutes until you do it again. Um, so you have short bursts of speeds and lots of easy swimming in between, and we start to do that. The other thing we think about a lot is how healthy are they? Can we um, give them a little bit more rest? Can we encourage them to get to bed earlier? Can they um, get through the cold and flu season? Can they avoid injury? Um, and can we come together with a healthy program going into the last three days of the season so that we're all firing at 100%? Lead the meet this year is at Bowdoin, right? Yes, it is. And so what's that place like? I know, uh, I believe you've competed there, obviously, many times in the past, I'm sure. Yeah, it's fantastic to have the meet 45 minutes away at a facility that we're comfortable with. Um, it's a great pool, um, a great environment with the crowd hanging over the pool and all the teams um, around it. So um, I like the meet at Bowdoin because it gets loud and it's exciting and the pool's fast. So... We're excited to head down the road and um, represent Maine at the Bowdoin Pool. There's so many, obviously, standout athletes on um, on the women's swimming and diving team. But looking at diving real quickly, I mean, Emma, Emma Jarzik probably, what, the top diver right now in the NESCAC? 
Um, she's one of three of the top, I would say. I would I, I hesitate to ever crown somebody the champion before the actual stuff happens, but right. Emma's got the goods. She could easily pull off a win. Um, things go her well, her way. Um, she's got what it takes. Um, but there are three or four really talented divers, maybe even more than that this year. I'm not particularly um, positive on that. Um, but she's always in a chance that she always has a chance to do that, and we have three other divers there with her, so she's got a team of four. Um, Katie Stevenson's back from a concussion. Charlotte Janelle, a freshman who was main state champion last year as a senior, um, just got past her concussion. Um, and then we have a freshman, Meg Robinson. And so the four of them together finally training these last two weeks, getting healthy, like I said earlier, um, and going into that meet should provide a nice little team environment behind the boards, which is a huge benefit for our divers. It seems like maybe have, have injuries played more of a factor this year than in years past for the team? You know, we have had a few injuries um, and concussions and whatnot that have simply because we're a team of about 24, 25 women right now. So in the past, we've been up to about 28 or 30. And when we had those injuries, uh, the depth kind of uh, allowed us to overlook those. And when people got healthy at the end of the season, um, we didn't really skip a beat, but this year we've had to get creative. We're a little bit smaller, but um, as I've said to this women's team um, all year long, we're extremely talented, and um, we've got the right people in the right places. Um, and if we're a team of the many um, and not the few, we'll be really good. And what I mean by that is, is we do have 24 going to this meet. We just can't rely on six to eight of them to take us places. We have to be all 24. Um, in order to accomplish the team goals that we have um, before we head off to nationals. Obviously, every event is important, but are there any events in particular that you're looking forward to seeing at the NASCAC championships from your team? Um, all, of, all of the events right now have athletes in them that can do something really special. I think we're strong in the butterfly, the sprint butterflies. I think um, our backstroke events are exceptionally strong. And... To be completely honest, the thing I'm most excited for this year is our relays. I think every single relay we're putting up there has a chance to be all NESCAC top three. Um, and if things go really well, they could be challenging for national invites in all five of them. What do you measure in terms of success? Like, what's going I mean, because you, I know you've mentioned before, you don't worry about what other teams are doing. You're, you're worrying more about you know, your swimmers and their times. So, wh how do you measure success? Do you measure in like you want to see a lot of personal records? Do you want to see a lot of meet records? Even yeah, um, big picture, it's a lot of smiling. <laughs> you know, like if they're coming out of their races um, impressed with what they have accomplished then we feel like, okay, we've taught them the valuable lesson that swimming and diving can do. And that's, um, you work really hard, you put in time and effort, you sacrifice some things, you get through the failures and the mistakes and the good stuff happens at the end. And that's a lesson that I think every college student needs to leave with is it's going to be tough, but in the end, if I believe in myself, I'll be fast, I'll be successful, I'll figure out a way. Um, after that, yeah, we're looking for PRs, personal records, we're looking to see people improve, and that's the measure is how much did we improve this year um, from our best times in the past. Um, if you improve and do well, then the place on the board, um, the scoring kind of takes care of itself. Last NESCAC meet for Sarah DeHare, obviously, she's had such an amazing career at Bates. I mean, obviously, she'll be, I'm sure, competing at nationals as well, but what has she meant to the program? She has, um, gosh, the impact is impossible to figure out at this point because it's not over yet right. um, 
But what she has done since she has been here um, is improve drastically, commit to the program, um, hard work, attention to detail, doing the little things right, never missing um, a yard or um, a practice or a um, the purpose behind the design of the set. She gets it and she works it. And that consistency has been a tremendous teaching tool for all around her that have watched. Um, she's also just brought people along with her. Freshman year, she anchored our 800 free relay with the fastest split in school history, and all of a sudden, our first ever women's relay went off to nationals. And ever since that freshman year with those four women, we've had eight the following year, then 10 the next year, and now her senior year, we should have another big group that have gone. So she's been key on every relay that has gone. Um, she's helped every day in training and helping people improve and um, she just made one of those impacts on a program that you just pray that you've done enough as a coach to put her around as many people as possible so that when she graduates, that tradition of uh, hard work, focus, um, and detail um, continues on in the people below her that are going to continue what she started and the legacy that she kind of demonstrated to everybody. All right, well, we're looking forward to the NESCAC Women's Swimming and Diving Championships this weekend at Bowdoin. Coach Casares, thanks so much. You betcha. This Friday, the women's basketball team hosts Maine Augusta at 7 o'clock p.m. for their final home game of the season before they visit Williams for their final regular season game on Sunday. Meanwhile, the men's basketball team hosts the Eve Sunday at 2 o'clock in their final regular season game as well. Positioning in the NESCAC Championships is on the line for both squads, and we'll recap those games and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates.